You're listening to The Church Boys Freefall Q&A. It's Billy Hollowell here with The Church Boys Podcast, and I'm very excited to have Max Licato on the line. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. It's a, it's a real privilege to be um, be on the air with you. Well, I appreciate that. There's so much to, to talk to you about. I've been actually dying to get a chance to chat with you after this horrific you know, campaign season. Um, but, but in particular, you have a book out um, because of Bethlehem. And obviously, we're in the holiday season. This is the time of year that everybody... I think even if they're even if they're a little more secular, everybody at least has a moment where they're thinking about what Christmas sort of means and what it's all about. And so I'm excited to chat with you about that. And I guess I want to start by just asking you, you know, why did you choose to write this book? You know, um, Billy, I, I really like writing books for people who don't uh, like to read books. Um, and so when when I uh, had had the thought a couple of years ago, uh, realizing how busy people are, how how hectic this time of year is, and yet uh, I think most people would love to have a resource that is a a simple uh, summary uh, that uh, that is inspirational about the Christmas message, and and a book that's not terribly long that they could read perhaps on a trip or or read in the evenings leading up to Christmas and. And uh, I looked around, and I didn't find exactly what I thought uh, would be helpful. And so I thought, well, I'll put that on my list. And, and uh, my book, Because of Bethlehem, is, is simply my dis- my attempt at writing a book to meet that need. That's great. You know, one of the things that shocks me in just talking with a lot of people, I live in New York City, and so I interact with a lot of people. I mean, there's plenty of Christians here, but there are also a lot of people who don't believe. And, you know, talking to them about Jesus and these different levels of skepticism, um, particularly about the character of Jesus, but even some people who believe Jesus never existed, which, I mean, every historian essentially has said that's obviously not true. We know he existed. Um, I guess I was going to ask you just strictly first about Christmas and then more about Jesus. What do you think are some of the big misconceptions? Because the root of Jesus, when we talk about Christ, it's the birth and the, and the death and resurrection that we mainly tend to talk about. What do you think are some of the big misconceptions about Christmas and the details maybe surrounding it that people might have? Well, one of the challenges I think we have uh, in in this, in the, especially in the last eight or ten years, is that is that the message of, of Christianity and the gospel, which is a message of hope and love and and, and excitement about the future, uh, has has been uh, compromised as it's become more and more in, intertwined and intermingled with political messages. Yeah. Uh, and and the and the Christian message and Christians are viewed as a voting block uh, l- more and less as people who've been saved by God's grace and and who are excited about heaven and who feel that there is a God and that Jesus was a son of God. And so I, th- I think that's the challenge, uh, the challenge that we face. Uh, you know, I'm not a historian by any stretch, but I don't think of, I, I cannot think of anything I've ever read that would suggest that uh, there was another generation in which the Christian movement was was used uh, to garner votes and to get people into office. And, and, and I think that for the secular person, who does nothing but just watch the news uh, and and 
respond to what they hear. They assume that, uh, you, you know, that the Christianity is kind of like the NRA. It, it, it's a it's a political movement. Yeah. And that's unfortunate. That's terribly unfortunate. But that I think that's one of the realities of the day in which we live. One of the things that I found personally shocking this past election season, and I don't know if I would use the word shocking, but maybe intriguing, was covering the election, looking at it from a faith perspective. I was noticing, usually it's Republicans who are doing that. And of course they still were. I mean, Donald Trump was meeting with evangelicals. I sat in one of those meetings with him and listened to what he had to say. I think a lot of a lot of evangelicals did to try to hear out what his concerns were. They were very clearly forming a voting block and looking to that voting block. But I also saw the Democrats doing it more than I had in the past. I know Obama had um, obviously courted evangelicals very well, but I saw Hillary doing it in a different way. So it was interesting to me. Uh, and a lot of it, I think, culture is changing and there are, and there are changing values and it was maybe an opportunity for her to try to align some of those people under maybe a, a redefined or a different form of sort of a gospel message that she felt aligned more with some of the policies she was implementing but or seeking to implement. But it, it's intriguing. And I guess just, just to get back to Jesus a little bit, and this is a loaded question, so it may be hard to answer, but what are the things for you in your faith walk and having this amazing career and, and being a pastor and writing that have convinced you undoubtedly that Jesus is who he has said he is and that the details in, you know, because of Bethlehem are, are truthful and that we can believe that? That's not a loaded question at all. That That's a fundamental question. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. I love it. Uh, for, for me, uh, everything revolves around the resurrection. And uh, I was about 21 years old when I was asked the question, uh, well, if you if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, then whatever happened to the body? It's, it's, it's just kind of the body of Jesus. And, and it's a basic, fundamental apologetics question that uh, I, think, I think every person has to wrestle with. And, um, it, you know, in, at least from my frame of reference and my line of thought, I, I really gave that some thought. And I realized that if if Jesus had not risen from the dead, there would be a body somewhere, and and that body would have logically been produced by the people who wanted to squelch the Christian movement in its infancy. Had there been a body, everybody knew where Jesus was buried. Had there been a body to produce, the body would have been produced, and Christianity would have died in its infancy. Uh, but there was... <laughs> There was just no body. There was a resurrected body that was seen by uh, the early uh, members of the early church, the first generation of the, of the Christian faith, and that's why they were so passionate. They had seen the resurrected body. Um, so for me, uh, to be honest, I, I came at it through logic, uh, and then after logic came heart. After my head came my heart. I needed forgiveness. I felt guilt uh, for my sins. I was a very heavy drinker, a terrible partier. I was disrespectful, I was a brawler, and I needed forgiveness. I felt guilt, and I am very very much convinced that had somebody not explained to me that there is a God who rose from the dead and who forgives sins, that I was headed toward a miserable, unhappy, uh, terrible life. Um, and so that, that simple message, of uh, or that question of what happened to the body, and, and is there a God who can forgive sins, those were the two things that... Uh, that convinced me to believe in Jesus Christ. I love that. No, and I think it's so helpful. People are seeking, they're searching. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this throughout your your career, and obviously 
Uh, you know, we see it every day as Christians, and I think a lot of us don't always know how to answer some of the tough questions. And even that, even that question, which, as you said, is the basis of almost everything and in, in all of the faith, people struggling as Christians to answer that. And so, I think one thing was we probably all need to be a little more educated, and not just educated in the facts that we know in our heart, but how we convey those to to people. Um, yeah. So I'm excited I think about your book. Hinges on the resurrection. I really do. You know, I I I I think that's the question. That's where it starts. It's been said that the that the resurrection is the arch is the keystone and the archway of the Christian faith. Uh, if you dislodge the resurrection, then everything else crumbles. But if it stand, if it's solid, then that's a legitimate. It's 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 a it's a realistic hope uh, that that we have as as Christians. No, absolutely. And so to transition into away from <clears throat> your wonderful Christmas book into something that's sort of the opposite of Christmas, which is the the election, which we sort of hinted at a little bit before. Um, you know, I had these horrible jokes about how we had Gog and Magog running against each other. And, you know, I, I, I had jokes the whole entire election season. But the reality is that it was I think it was a very sad time for the country. Very divisive friendships ending people fight. I mean, just insane where this went. And I think that's on the part of you know certain candidates maybe for for elevating that language maybe both of them at times. Um, I know for you when you would speak out and say you know voice certain concerns about Trump it would get a lot of attention. Um, were you obviously I don't think you were surprised considering um, your stature in the Christian community but but did anything shock you about the attention that you were receiving during the campaign? I, I actually I was surprised that the response was as strong as it was. Um, the, the context, you know, back in February, I wrote a blog that that uh, you know stirred it, it. It generated so much interest that our our uh, server crashed six times wow. in twenty four hours. We, it was just unbelievable, and I had no idea it was going to stir that much uh, controversy. It, the context was that um, it, it was, if you'll remember, uh, it was president-elect Trump's first visit to Liberty University. Yes. And uh, he held up a Bible and he called himself a Christian. And then it was just a few days later, he did several of the things that really troubled a lot of us, yeah. you know, just the way he talked to people and talked about people. Had had he never held up the Bible and called himself a Christian, I wouldn't have waded into that. That's not, I mean, you know, for crying out loud, people speak disrespectfully about other people all the time, publicly. It's not my job to write a blog about it. But since he called himself a Christian and then did it, I just, oh, I was just troubled. I was just troubled. And and so I did. I did. And uh, it stirred up quite a quite a brouhaha. And um, uh, the, the and, and you're right, the, the conversations seemed to get tacky quickly. Yeah. Uh, and I think part of that is the tone set by um, the candidates. Another part of that is this social media age in which we live, in which you can respond to somebody uh, from behind a smoke screen and you never see them, you know? Oh, yeah. Like yeah. on Facebook, they put up their thinking, their thoughts, and then a person responds. They'll never see that person. And they say the tackiest thing about what that person said. Whereas if they were sitting in a restaurant looking at each other face to face, I have to believe they would be more respectful oh, yeah. than, than the way they are. And so I think part of it, too, is just this social media age uh, in which people are not held uh, – they, they don't see the consequences of the tone of their, of their responses. 
Yeah, and you mix that with the reality TV culture, and it's interesting. I mean, obviously, we have a former reality TV star who will be president now, but he also has other accomplishments. You know, I'm not diminishing him, but the reality is when you mix that social media with the reality TV, it is a really interesting recipe for where I we are that's culturally. That's a great point. Yeah. I, I I agree. I, I I know that there was uh, there were critical criticisms like that in other elections, but uh, not as not as severely as now. I think talk radio. I think I think reality TV. I think social media. They're creating this conversation phone uh, in our country that uh, that's again. It's it's like you can just yell something, and you don't care who right. hears it or the way it's heard. Yeah, which is unfortunate, and I think that's the. Um... You know, I and before we started this interview, I said to you, I don't ask gotcha questions. I never, I just not. But I do feel like we're living in the age where that is how all of this is done. And you know, you're interviewing somebody, you're trying to get them so you can get a good he headline, and and then it yeah. goes viral. I mean, but and this is sort of what drove a lot of you know Trump's support. I think was these viral proclamations that he made it, and same with Hillary. Hillary made a number of them with the alt right movement and all that. You know, so it's it was just an interesting time. And then there was this thing for you where the comments you had made in an NPR interview um, were taken and used in a Faith right. in Public Life Action Fund video against Trump. Um, yeah. What was that like to discover? Because you had not given permission for that. I had, not, I had not whatsoever. And that was disheartening for me. Uh, you know, you do those interviews in good faith. Uh, never, never thinking that somebody is going. I still, we, we still were not able to figure out how that happened. Uh, but somebody was, uh, you know, took portions of the interview and and put it in a in a, in some form in which it appeared like I was endorsing Hillary Clinton. And so we had then to send out an email about that. And uh. I was I was a guest speaker at a church, and they called and inquired. Uh, you know, they weren't hostile about it, but they said, "No, you know, we're getting a lot of calls here at the church." So if it, people were just on edge, yeah, the, the whole time. And so, um, but to me, where we are right now is we have an opportunity to kind of settle down, take a deep breath. Remember uh, the verse my wife likes to quote, Proverbs 21.1. It says that the heart of the king is in the hands of the Lord. He directs it as he pleases. And so, so we, you know, we, we believe in a sovereign God. And, and uh, all through history, he's used uh, leaders, some who might be sympathetic to him, others who are uh, just uh, in direct rebellion to him. He's, he's used them all. And and we we pray we come up put our hearts together and Christmas I think is a very welcome season right now because we can think about the birth of Jesus and think about what He did how much He loves us what He came for and the uniqueness of His story and I'm so grateful that that your program is is focused on on that uh, message because I think that's the message that we really need. People need hope, you know that right now especially um, people need hope. So thank God we have. Christmas coming and people can focus on that and we can kind of get past all of this. Now you don't have you ever endorsed candidates before? Never, never. And 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 it and it's not because I don't and have an interest in politics. I really enjoy it. Uh, I think it's fascinating. Uh, but my concern has been if I endorse a particular candidate, then somebody who uh, <laughs> is not in favor of that candidate might not come to our church. Right. And I, I exist to to lead a church, not to create a you know lobby. For a particular candidate, so so I've always found that that's a risky thing uh, to do, and and have never done it. Uh, I've I've had opportunities to to pray for candidates and to meet with them, 
uh, I'm not super involved, but uh, but I really do pray for them and uh, and think that there's some wonderful men and women of God in in political office. And but I don't I know I don't endorse candidates. And just for my last question, I wanted to ask you because you know I live in New York, like I said, and I interact with a lot of good friends who are who are very liberal and they're very concerned, not just liberals, some conservatives about Trump. They're scared. Um, I don't necessarily share in that level of fear that some of these people have, but I've, I've listened. And you know, what would you say to people who are really petrified for the future now? Suddenly they feel like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? What is this guy going to do? You know, just about where they should be putting their hope and, and all of that. You know, what would you say to them? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and this is, I think, is an opportunity for people who uh, have faith to put faith in God and people who don't have faith to consider God to consider God. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, we can't put our faith or hope in a political leader. Uh, they're going to disappoint us. The best ones are. The best ones are. No person can do what all of us are hoping somebody will do, and that's protect us and lead us and guide us. They're going to fall short. And so to those people who, who are anxious and troubled, I would say, well, then try this. Uh, spend a few moments every night before you go to bed and just pray. Even if you don't know to whom you're praying, just pray, God, I believe you're, I'm doing my best to believe you're a good God and you're listening to me and I'm very anxious. Would you help me? Just a simple prayer like that. And and to those of us who do have faith, we need to pray too. We need to pray for God to bring a spirit of peace and, and comfort and, and uh and let, let let the whole country uh, really experience just a settledness, a peace in in in, the, in this day and age. Well, listen, I really appreciate you taking the time today, and uh, we're going to make sure we link out to the book because of Bethlehem, and we hope to have you back again very soon. Well, you're very kind. You do such a great job in your interview, and and thanks for letting me be on your program. And Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Church Boy.